All right, Isaiah 5, Isaiah chapter 5, please. While you're turning there, remind you that Isaiah was sent um, to warn the Hebrews that they were not uh, behaving correctly, they were not worshiping correctly. The majority of the book of Isaiah is uh, warnings against the things that they were doing and the things that they were failing to do that they should be doing. And in this chapter, we see a couple of um, woes or judgments that he is going to place on them that he is receiving from the Lord. And we're going to pick up and we're going to read Isaiah chapter 5, 18 through 23, 18 to 23. A little difficult to know where to start and stop this morning, but we'll, we'll try and conclude with 18 and 23. It says, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. That say, Let him make speed and hasten his works, that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. And here's the key verse. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And put darkness for light and light for darkness and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness, I'm sorry, take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. And as I said, the key verse here that I want to focus on is woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitterness. And I want to bring us into remembrance that the world is in rebellion against God. It's been that way since, well, near the beginning. It's been that way since Adam and Eve first were made, and when Adam took of the fruit that he was not supposed to and ate of it, willfully being disobedient to the Lord, plunging the entire earth to be cursed and for them to be cast out of the garden, and most importantly, to be cast out of an intimate relationship with God. Separating themselves, they became evil. They allowed sin to enter their lives and thereby separate them from God. And the history of the world since that time has been one that is in rebellion against God. We don't like to do what we're supposed to do. We don't like to do what we should do. We like to do the things that we shouldn't do and so on and back and forth. And we see this very clearly. We are in an active state of rebellion against a perfect God. More concerning, or maybe just as concerning, but more to the point, there are many today who call evil good and good evil. Now, I want to make sure we understand what the Scripture is telling us here, because this is very important. This is not just, well, I thought this was good and then found out that it wasn't. No, it is actually calling something evil that is good and something that is good evil. This is very important, and I think it is very important today because we are seeing this happen more and more. The scripture makes it abundantly clear in case we didn't pick this up. It's like calling light dark and dark light. We know the difference. We have to know the difference, right? We know that what light is and what dark is. 
bitter versus sweet. It's changing those things. It's not misidentifying one. It's purposely calling one the other thing. This happens in two ways, at least as far as I'm concerned for today. You could convince me there might be other ways, but for this morning, we'll say that there's two things that go on here. One is you do this willingly. As in you lie to yourself. You know the difference between light and dark, and you purposely call one the other. You know the difference between sweet and bitter, and you purposely call one the other. You are willfully lying to yourself. You are what it says in verse 21, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Now, I think this is incredibly prevalent today, and I want to say some things that I don't really want to say, but I couldn't get away the last few weeks. I've heard now a number of different people describe how this is a duty of a, of a pastor and of a true church to call these things out for what they are. So we'll just be transparent for a few minutes. Willfully lying to yourself and calling evil good and good evil. We only have to think back to not too many months ago when there was wailing and literal gnashing of teeth with people falling on their knees and screaming and crying over the reversal of Roe versus Wade. Screaming at the top of their lungs, my body, my choice. Now here's why I bring that up. Because it's interesting to note that only about six months prior to that event, Many of those same people who were saying, I can do whatever I want to with my body, were screaming and wailing and telling you that you weren't allowed to leave your house if you didn't inject something you didn't want into your body. Follow that logic. That's someone who's willfully lying to themselves, trying to dignify the fact that they somehow supposedly have the right and the privilege to kill an unborn baby yet forced you to take a drug. There's other examples, but I'll leave that one alone. The other of the two ways that we see this is not only you willfully deceiving yourself, but you're just plain ignorant of the truth. You just don't know the truth. Now, we have a lot of negative connotations with that word ignorant. I mean it in the very true sense of the word. You just don't know. Maybe you weren't taught what is true and what is wrong. Maybe you don't know these things, and so you are ignorant. Now, you could be willingly ignorant, or you could just be never taught correctly. And the more that our society goes on, the more I think this is a really serious problem that we have in our society. We're not teaching people correctly because we're not teaching them biblical truth. And I think this is why so many and so much evil is actually after children. Because I want to teach them wrong to begin with. It's why they encourage, even in young as elementary school, all types of sexual behaviors and pornographic books and things of this nature. That's why many states say, well, you can be 13 and consent to an abortion without your parents' knowledge. Yet in many of those same states, you're not legally allowed to have sex at that age, but I digress from that for just a minute. 
This is important for us to understand as a society because, again, we need to understand that many people out there are willfully calling good bad and bad good. And some of those people are trying to teach our children the wrong way. They're teaching them ignorance. They're telling them, oh, you can do whatever you want to. You can be whatever you want to. You can choose whatever you want to. You should go out and have as much fun as you possibly can. And what's happening is we're having generations grow up who do not actually know the truth. They're calling good evil and evil good because they've never been taught the foundation principle truths that we know from Scripture of how we ought to behave. It's a very serious problem that we have in our country. And without proper instruction, how would anyone know? Again, remember, we're all born into sin. This is a sinful world. And so unless we're taught to be good, according to the Scriptures, we will not learn it on our own. I've said this example before. We can think about little children being sweet and innocent, and sometimes they are. But at a very, a very early age, they learn exactly how to cry and raise a fuss, and as soon as you come in, they smile and laugh. They've lied to you to get you to give them something they want. We don't have to teach children how to be bad, do we? We teach them to be good. But when our society and when our world is teaching them the opposite of what is good and telling them that it's good, we have a very serious problem. And again, remember here, this is not just, well, I thought this was a good thing and I was wrong. It's actually teaching good is bad and bad is good. That's a very, very serious thing. You could even say it's spiritual wickedness, which I think would probably be appropriate. I'm going to pick on a few examples, and you can come up with some examples on your own. I saw a recent poll that said uh, Brown University, which is an Ivy League, really, really good elite school, 38% of their students said that they're LGBTQ plus fill in whatever letters are supposed to follow that now. Well, now I would contend with you that about a decade ago it would have been 1% to 2%. There's no possible way that that's reality if it isn't some type of social contagion that we're teaching people and rewarding them for this behavior. We're calling it good when it's bad. It's very clear. And what's happening? People are falling in line with it. Again, we're telling our young people, well, just go out and have sex as much as you can with whoever you want to in as many diverse ways as you possibly can. And trust me, I don't really want to be talking about these things in front of you today, but this is the reality that we face. We're telling them that's good. In fact, it's not. Not too long after the Supreme Court case that I told you about, that I mentioned that overturned Roe versus Wade and basically left it to the states to decide whether or not and how to uh, control abortion, we saw many, many companies who developed policy saying, well, we hate that you live in a state that doesn't let you kill your own baby, so we're going to pay for you to travel to another state so you can murder your own child. Ask that same company if they'd be willing to pay for you to go get a very difficult treatment to save your baby's life in another state. Not a chance. See, we have reversed good for evil. We'll call evil good. What about drug addiction? Well, it depends on what state and where you go to, but we've moved in some cases beyond just handing out clean needles to, well, we're just going to give them the drugs. Better than that, we're going to encourage you to do it by giving you something to save your own life. 
You've overdosed. We've saved your life. Go ahead and do it again. And just in case, here's, here's some more. I'm all about saving lives. But again, the message here is just go out and do it and again and again and again. And all you have to do is be around somebody who's rattled with addiction to something. You know, that's not the right answer. We praise inclusivity. Well, that's an interesting new one, isn't it? Saw that a lot when we were in Europe. A lot of flags outside of churches. You know, pride isn't a virtue. But we say it is one, isn't we? Don't we? Now, today in our society. Again, we trade good for evil. I'll stop there for just a minute so I don't get any more trouble, but you can come up with your own concepts and own ideas. So why has this happened? Why do we have a society that's exactly backwards? Why are we praising what's good and saying what's good is evil? Why are we rewarding the bad things that people do and punishing the good things that people do? Why is this happening in our society? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's because we've left God We have forsaken our value system that is based on biblical truth and based on what God said is good and what God says is right. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, those who are unbelievers, who do not know the truth, are blinded to it. They cannot see it unless what? Unless the Spirit of God intervenes. Unless we take the Scripture and the Spirit out to them and tell them that they're wrong. Oh boy. Try and do that today. But it's something we should do. No, the world tells us today that biblical morality is intolerant old-fashioned and oppressive. Truth is, biblical morality is truth. It is current. It is helpful. See, it's the exact opposite. We may not like the truth. We may not enjoy the fact that Scripture calls out some of our behavior and says you're wrong for doing those things, but it's still truth. And my view of that doesn't change what's true. Our very society today is telling us that's wrong. Some of you were here a few months ago when I introduced you to the wonderful concept that says two plus two is not math, or not not four. It's, It's the wrong kind of math. I, let me back up. I introduced that as an example of a negative thing. I don't want anyone walking home and saying, well, Stickle thinks 2 plus 2 is 5. I don't think that. I think that's entirely wrong. But what I'm telling you is the world is telling you that that's the correct answer. It's, well, math is just whatever. You tried hard, therefore it works. Now, let's build a bridge that way and see if it works. Biblical morality, it's true. It's current, no matter what we think about it, and it's helpful. John 3.19 says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whatever, uh, but whatever he does is true. Come to the, <laughs> but whatever does what is true is to the light, so that it may be seen clearly 
that his works have been carried out by God. See, the reality is this. We are commanded and required to do what? To do what is right. Again, go back here. We see this carried forth from Isaiah, which is why it's so vital to know the Old Testament, all the way to the New Testament, when Jesus Christ, the light himself, comes into the world and tells us what is true and tells us that we are to do the things that are true and right and gives us warnings not to call evil good and good evil. But it gets worse because they switch them around. I'm not going to take the entire time to study this, but I'll just summarize real quick for you a a section of Matthew chapter 12. There's been lots of debate over the years of a particular verse in this chapter, 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. I don't think this verse is talking about swearing or cursing as we call it today or simply saying, I don't believe in God. No, if you follow this chapter and you understand what's going on here, you will see that Jesus Christ himself is present and doing miraculous things, doing things that by Hebrew law and custom sent down in the Old Testament and through tradition, they know for a fact that Jesus Christ is a prophet of God. And yet they choose to try and destroy him, as it says in the scripture. And then they confront him, the very son of God, and call him a devil. See, that is calling what is good, bad, and what is bad, good. You see? Then they knew better. Don't miss the point. Whether or not they were ready to confess that Jesus Christ is in fact God, they had to at least admit that he was sent of God because he was doing miracles, including casting demons out and restoring hands in the synagogue and around. And they decided to say, no, 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 you do this because of the devil. Brothers and sisters, we ought to be very, very, very careful when we claim things are of the devil or not. Because you might find yourself caught up saying what is good is evil and what is evil good. And I could explain more about that and perhaps will some other time. But I want us to understand what's going on in the world around us and I want us to give you some more bad news. You ready? It's not going to get any better. It's not. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 says, But understanding this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, hmm, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power. Avoid such people. You see, we are told that not only will things probably not get better, but that things can actually be worse. As we continue with wherever society is headed, and it's not in a great direction, we're going to have more times when the truth is said to be a lie and lies are said to be truth. When what we are to do is told as a bad and negative thing, and the bad and negative things, according to scriptural morality, are said, well, these are good things. We should all celebrate. We should all do these things. 
Let it not be so among us. The problem is, this is also embedded in the church. It's embedded in the churches. A very serious problem with this today. I could go on about that, but I'll leave that for your own imagination. We absolutely, as a church, should invite people to come here as they are. 100%. But, if you're not changed and conforming to be like Him, you're not one of His and should not be celebrated. Let me say that again just to make sure I'm clear. We absolutely should invite people to come as they are. But we should expect just as Jesus Christ demands, that you are changed to be more like him. Which means we're not going to celebrate your sin. And we're not going to tolerate it either. We want you to become as Jesus Christ is, which is becoming more and more perfect like he is perfect. We want you to experience the change that only comes from the power of God when you are changed and you no longer desire to do the evil things in this world, but you desire to do what is good. And you know what is good because you know the scriptures, because the Spirit of God tells you what you should and shouldn't do. We expect you to be changed. Not perfect. None of us will get to perfection. But we expect you to follow after Him. And we will not put up with celebrating anything less. I want to read Matthew 7, beginning with verse 15 for a few verses. Matthew 7, 15. Jesus here is speaking and gives us great advice. Be aware of false prophets which come at you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. But you see, this even in itself poses a very interesting challenge for us today because we can't decide on what a good fruit is anymore, can we? Notice how even that's changed over the years. Sins that wouldn't have been tolerated a decade ago are tolerated now. And sins that wouldn't even be spoken of a century ago are celebrated now. We can't decide what is good. Well, how do we know what's good? How do we know... To be good fruit inspectors, I hold it right here in my hand. This is how we know. This is what must be at the foundation of who we are. And if you do not know the scriptures, then you're left doing what Isaiah said is you're wise in your own eyes. How many people have I talked to who have just decided, well, sure. Why not just, you know, supposedly change sex? Why not just let people be rampant alcoholics or drug addicts and destroy their life. Why not just go out and gamble all they want to? I mean, their family's been taken care of, and sure, they're neglected emotionally, but, you know, they're okay. 
Why not allow these types of sins? Why not be prideful of who you are when the scripture says who you are and your behavior is a sin? Why not? Why not? I'm telling you why not, because the scripture says no. But how do we know what's good in the scripture? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. There's four things that it does. You want to know good from evil? Know the scriptures. It will teach you. It will give you instruction. It will give you doctrine, as the King James Version calls it. It will tell you what is right. It will tell you what is wrong. And it can be trusted not to call the one the other. It will rebuke you. None of us like to be rebuked, do we? But it will convict us of our sin. You want to know if you're doing the right thing or not? Get in the Word. It will rebuke. It will convict you of sin. Because here's the thing, as I've said, and and maybe I'm just repeating my saying myself over and over again. I apologize. Here's the thing. If we get away from the Word and we try to use our own logic and our own reason to decide what is right or wrong... We're going to utterly fail at it. And eventually we're going to go down the path where we're calling good, bad, and bad, good. Why? Because as I entered this sermon with, we are in a fallen world and we cannot trust my own instincts. I have to look to the scriptures to know what is right. If I look to myself, I'm going to lie to myself and be wise in my own eyes. We must have the scriptures to convict us, to rebuke us, to tell us how we should live. But the scriptures do more than just tell us that we're wrong. It's more than just a conviction. They, um, they correct us. It gives us a way to restore the errors that we have. It not only tells us when we're wrong, it tells us how we should live. And in fact, as I've mentioned before, many people outside the church think, well, the, the Bible's nothing but thou shall nots. I don't know the ratio, but I'm going to tell you, I think it's a lot more thou shall than thou shall nots. The Bible gives us instruction on how we should live. It certainly tells us things we should not do, but it also tells us what we should do, and there's a difference there. So it teaches us by instruction, it convicts and rebukes us of the sins we are in, and it tells us how we should live, and it gives us instructions to how to be moral, how to know right from wrong, how to not call evil good and good evil, how to look at the world and know the direction that we should go. And it all comes from the scriptures. So here's the question today. Do you know the difference between light and dark? Bitter and sweet. Do you know the difference between good and evil? Are you sure? Because a lot of people who wear the name Christian, who attend church, seem to be getting this wrong on many levels. Have you accepted the cultural definitions of good and evil? Have you been persuaded by some fancy twisting of Scripture to say, well, this this is okay, That's, that's fine, we can do this. Everyone else is doing it in society. It would be horrible to exclude women from the pulpit. Except that's what the scripture says. You can fill in your own concept there. 
Do you know this scripture well enough to know the difference? I've said this before. Can you explain to me why abortion's wrong? You need to be able to. Can you explain to me why you shouldn't lie to someone? You need to be able to. Can you explain to me what it means to be made in the image of God? You should be able to. Brothers and sisters, our culture today is not what it used to be. The way that many of us grew up is no longer currently there. And because it's not there, we have generation after generation of young people who are being taught that truth is evil and evil is truth. And the only possible way that this is going to change is if we as believers stand firm for what the truth is through the power of God and speak into their lives. But you have to know it to do it. And if you don't know it, you can't do it. Do you know the scriptures well enough to know the difference between good and evil? What about those you have influence over? Your family, your friends, your co-workers, people you teach in a class, since that's like half the church. You have influence over these people. People you work with. Are you letting them get away with it? It's really, really challenging as a believer sometimes to stand up for the truth. It's easier, it's easier just to let it slide. Hard to call out your friend, your family member and say, mm, nope, that's not correct. And trust me when I tell you, I don't do it well at this as I should. It's hard to stand there and tell your family, no, you've got that one wrong. Scripture says, but we should do it. Romans 1.30 tells us that the world will never stop inventing new ways of sinning. Never stop inventing new ways of sinning. Some of you are old enough to experience this, but I dare say if any of us was to go back and talk to grandparents or great-grandparents and tell them some of the things that are going on today, they would just look at you. And we're not finished yet. The world is going to keep going. That's why you have to be ready with Scripture. That's why you have to know the right, and you can never catch up with the wrong. You see, when you know the truth, then the truth applies to every evil that there is. You don't have to learn about every diversion of the truth. You don't have to learn about every sin. You don't have to know everything that's wrong. You just have to know the truth. I've said this multiple times. It's a great example. I've heard it a long time, and I confirm with somebody that it's true. The Secret Service, when they look for counterfeiting, they don't learn all the ways you can counterfeit. They learn what a real bill looks, feels, touches, smells like. They learn what the real is so they can always spot the fake. I can't prepare you for everything this world is going to tell you that's not true. But what I can try and do as best as I can is teach you what is the truth so that when you see something that's not, you know it. You must be prepared, which means you must be in the Word of God. You must open your Bible more than when you come here on a Sunday morning. Or maybe you come three times a week and open your Bible. You must open it more than that. 
You must be before God in the Scripture on a daily basis, allowing Him to teach you what is true, to convict you where you're wrong, to correct you and give you instructions to righteousness if we are going to continue. You must know the truth. Why? Because the truth will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ. If we don't know the truth, we will almost always fall victim to what it said in Isaiah. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And so I ask you today, are you wise in your own eyes and in your own sight? Are you just accepting what the world teaches? Are you twisting the scriptures to try and make it fit? Or are you truly following what God has said? We desperately need a generation of people to tell our family, to tell our friends, to teach in the church house, to teach outside of it what truth is is so that we can pursue righteousness. And we must do that very soon.